This is not just a countdown clock. This thing has like a full on TV remote. So oh, I I'm, was thinking of like one of the. <laughs> so I'm guessing that there is a pause button somewhere on this. But Andrew, oh my but, gosh, I'm but, even literally buying one for five dollars on Amazon. <laughs> that definitely did not cost five dollars. But I support you in your toys, however. <laughs> Welcome into the harvest friends we're glad that you're here my name is Andrew Stroud and I am the project lead here at into the harvest and I'm joined today as always by my good friend Abigail Wilson who is the editor in chief of our blog over at intotheharvest.org always lots of good things up there for you guys at the website so make sure that you check that out Abby it's good to see you I understand we had to push this back a day because you you had some unexpected challenges this weekend. Do you want to tell us just a little bit about it as we get oh, started? Yeah. <laughs> I um I had an allergic reaction to some medication and my eyes swelled up to an unholy place and the itching was so exceptional that I really needed to see a doctor yesterday. So Andrew was nice enough to push this because I really could not handle doing a show in the state <laughs> that I was in. Also, if you're joining us on YouTube, um, just know that I must really love you because uh, yesterday I was like, <laughs> man, I wish we were just a podcast because right. I could just look whatever state I am and no one would know and we wouldn't even have right. to talk about it. But um, thankfully, you know, it's not a super clear picture. So you probably can't see the state that I am in and I've got my glasses on. So all that to say, I'm here. Um, I'm medicated with steroids now. So I am ready for this show, Andrew. Let's do it. Well, I'm glad you're <laughs> feeling better. I'm glad you look great. I mean, Thanks. as far as the, the camera goes, I don't know. Maybe it maybe it's uh, generous to, to us. But we're going to start off with a listener question of the week, Abigail. This listener question is from Stephen Blair, and he left this as a comment over on our YouTube channel, under the video for an episode we did called the Timothy Principle. And let me read this. It says, there are ministries that focus heavily on the supernatural, specifically the ability of all believers to heal at will and the need to cast out demons, even out of believers. Some ministries seem to view it as critical to our being able to reach the lost with the gospel or truly live as the church the Lord has called us to be. Your thoughts. So, Abigail. I'm hosting today, which means I get to throw this hot potato over to you. What do you think oh, about Stephen's question? Well, there's a lot to unpack here, Stephen. Um, I, being who I am, I'm going to pick the easiest part to unpack, and I'm going <laughs> to do that. Um, and I think that really comes into play. And maybe I'm just overpicking his words here, but he says um, healing at will, um, and then also talking about kind of these um, particular churches and ministries today that are very popular that seem to right. to kind of really um, focus heavily on this aspect of our Christian walk. Uh, and I think that's where um, we really should question anything that gets in the way of the gospel and Jesus, just straight gospel Jesus. Um, so anytime, any, and it doesn't have to be casting out demons or healing people 
it could be just about anything, like take your pick. Mm -hmm. But anytime a church is heavily focusing on one thing, um, it could even be like sharing the gospel or, um, you know, just bringing new people to church, like anything that if, if you're not doing this, then you're not a good Christian or, you know, there's something wrong with your faith or you're not truly saved or we need to question, then we've got a problem. So um, I think maybe one thing you might be wondering here is, you know, do I think that we as believers today can cast out demons and heal? I absolutely do. Um, However, anytime those two things or any of the kind of supernatural miracle type elements of our faith and about the Holy Spirit um, start to take precedence over Jesus crucified and raised from the dead for our sins, then I have a real problem with that. Um, So that's my my quick thoughts on it. Um, So yeah, what do you think, Andrew? Yeah, I think it's well said. Um, I think when you look at the scriptures, obviously we do see uh, Jesus healing people, Jesus working miracles, and we see others in the scriptures and in the New Testament church, um, casting out demons, uh, healing, uh, doing works of power. I think it's important to, as we study the scriptures, to understand what role those miracles Played and and they were really signs. Oftentimes, that's the word that the scripture uses um, to describe these miracles. So Jesus healed and he worked miracles, and it was a sign. It was a validation. Think of it as a uh, as a badge that was on Jesus to to let people know that hey, yes, this guy is a teacher and he's got a message. He's proclaiming to us the the good news about the kingdom of God. But we should really listen to him because. He just cast a demon out of that that person, or he just yeah. <laughs> he just uh, healed a man who was blind from birth, and yeah. so in that sense, the the miracles as we see them in the New Testament, same thing by the way, as we move into the church age, and you see the apostles doing these works these works of power. So classic example is uh, Peter and John healing the man who was who was lame in the temple, and sure enough, what it says is that a great crowd gathered, and then Peter began to speak the the word of God to them. So. Mm-hmm. When you think about healings and works of power in the New Testament, um, they they were really, you need to think about means and ends. So the end was that people would hear this message and come to faith in the Messiah and in, in the one that, that the Father had sent into the world and to Jesus. Uh, and the means oftentimes that God used to validate that message were these works of power. Um, so I think that's one thing that we need to keep in mind is that when we begin to seek the means for the sake of themselves, when we want to, we want to see healing because we just want to experience God in a, in a powerful, mm. in a powerful way, then we've actually, like you said, we've actually, it's, it's an error of emphasis that we're seeking an experience um, and not understanding that the experience was supposed to point us to something even greater, which was this message and this person, uh, Jesus himself. Yeah. So that that's, that's the heart of what I would want to say um, Mm -hmm. in response to this question. Yeah, absolutely. I I really love what you said there, that it's what it points to. And the Holy Spirit's entire purpose was to glorify and point to Jesus. So anytime we're using the Holy Spirit in some way that's not doing that, then that's a complete vanity of, 
that we need to check ourselves on. So I, I really love that, that you said that, Andrew. Yeah, you know, well, part, part of Stephen's question was like, and you pointed this out, it's, it's all believers and at will. And I do think that if you're in a church or a ministry where that is the expectation, mm-hmm. that, that is error, that is not biblical. Yeah. Um, if you look at the New Testament letters that the apostles were writing to believers, there is no um, command, there is no expectation that uh, believers in those churches would be going out and healing people or um, doing miraculous things like speaking in tongues at will. Um, these, these were things that, that God enabled the early church to do, again, to, to draw people, people's attention to this, this message, this new message that God had brought to the earth through his son, um, Jesus. And the purpose of signs, let me just read one passage as we kind of wrap up our, our listener question here. Um, in Hebrews 2, 1 through 4, I wanted to, I wanted to read this. Let me pull it up. Because I think it, it sort of hints that even by the time the author of Hebrews wrote his, his letter, it seems that um, the signs and the miracles were less common than they had been. And they were, never, they were never totally common, which is why they were so shocking when they happened. It wasn't like it was like every Sunday, you know, go, go to the circus, you know, go, go and see these amazing things happening. When they, when they did happen, it drew people's attention because they are unusual. But in Hebrews 2, it says, um, we... For this reason, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard. God also bearing witness with them, both by signs and wonders, and by various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. And so <clears throat> I'm going to try to make this really quick, Abby, and hopefully it'll come good. through. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> so, so what he's saying there is that there's, you know, God sent us a message, and he sent it through his son. He talks about it was first spoken through the Lord. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying is that we need to pay attention to that message, the message that was spoken through the Lord, and then was later confirmed to us by those who heard. So you have Jesus and you have that first generation of his apostles who went out. And the Lord and the apostles who went out, God was bearing witness with them, both by signs and wonders and by various miracles. And so that's what those initial signs were designed to do. Um, It was to validate and it was God's way of bearing witness that this message was worth listening to. And it seems that even by the time of Hebrews 2, that was not the common experience when people shared the message. They weren't necessarily working miracles, but they could remember back to a time when, when that was the case. So we'll leave it there, and hopefully we get some, uh, we get some responses from our, our listening community. Let us know what you think about this question. Stephen, thank you for, for yeah, leaving that question for question. us. We really appreciate it. And friends, if you have a question that you would like us to address on the show, then you can email us at info at intotheharvest.org. Or like Stephen, leave a comment on one of the YouTube videos, and we'd be glad to, to talk about it on the show. All right, Abby, our main topic today is selection. And some of our listeners, this is going to be, they're going to know exactly what we're talking about here. But for others, uh, they might be a little bit confused. Uh, selection, what are we talking about here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that selection is a very important principle when it comes to disciple making and passing on the faith. So why don't we just dive right in? 
If you okay. were to try to put it in your own words, when we're talking about selection, what is it that, that we're talking about today? <laughs> we're not talking like a Calvinist, like selection as in like a big theological topic. And you should know that because I'm going to talk about it. So clearly that's <laughs> not what we're referring to. <laughs> uh, this is much more of a tool. May, like, is that a good, is that a good word or maybe, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, something that we can practically use um, as we try mm. to further um, the kingdom of God here on earth um, so that we can be the most useful um, using our time, the most effectively um, who we focus on that kind of thing. So this is not going to be um, as, as philosophical or deeply yeah. theological. Theological. I mean, yeah. I'm really glad you said that because honestly, I would not have even thought about um, really selection. Oh my no, gosh. which is crazy. I mean, it kind of lets people know where my head is at. Um, but I think glad I cleared would. that up. <laughs> yes, I am too because I do think a lot of people. So with selection, that's a theological doctrine uh, where <laughs> yeah. God is selecting certain people for salvation. That is not what we're talking about today no. at all. We're talking really about. Um, how we go about investing in people, how we go about making disciples. So it's really, in a sense, it's how we select those that we're going to invest in and disciple. You know, one way that you can think about it is how do you know who to disciple? That's really kind of what we're going to be trying to shed some light on, share a little bit from our own experiences, the ups and downs of, of focusing on others. Um, I would say that this is a principle of disciple making. That, that's mm. kind of the way that I would describe it, Abigail. So it, it, okay. it is a method, but more than a method, I think it's, it's a principle that we see in the okay. scriptures. Yes, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I, 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 yes, you're right. We've got biblical precedent and we'll talk about that. So yeah, exactly. Okay. So uh, maybe we can start there. Like what, what okay. are some of your favorite Bible passages where we see selection in action? Do you have some? Oh, good. I get to go first, which means I get to pick Jesus. Yay! <laughs> uh, and honestly, do we need any more example really other than, right. um, than Jesus? Cause that's really what we're all trying to model after. Um, and yeah. he definitely did this. We see that he, um, did teach the masses, which we are all for that, but he then, um, whittled it down to 12 and he did that pretty early on in his ministry. And then we see very clearly that he had three that he was very much focused on that he would take them aside, um, pretty often and have kind of more, uh, not one-on-one, -on -one, but three-on-one, um, conversations. And then with those three, he was having one-on-one um, instruction and back and forth. So, uh, he is really the perfect example of, of just how to then structure your time and your energy into, into others. And through, by the way, those 11, um, and then through those three, that is how we were even here today. So we know right. it works and we know it's, it's <laughs> something that we, that we can implement. Yeah, I'm really glad you started with Jesus. I, I agree 100%. Like we're supposed to be following in his footsteps. In fact, Jesus in John 15, he, he told those first disciples, those first 12, he said, I've given you an example that you also should do as I've done to you. And I believe from, from the very beginning, Jesus was not just passing on his teaching, but he was passing on his mission and he was passing on his, his way of accomplishing that mission. There's a great book 
that um, we'll, we'll put in the show notes that if, if people haven't read it, they should really check it out. It's called The Master Plan of Evangelism. And it's a little bit of a play on word because, uh, words because it's really looking at the ministry of Jesus to say, hey, Jesus had this mission to, to call a people, to bring a people back to God. Um, how did he go about doing it? Did he have a master? What was the master's plan for evangelism? And one of the principles, in fact, I think it's the first principle that he talks about in that book is that Jesus selected. So I'm going to try to throw up this uh, visual on the screen, Abigail. We've, we haven't tried to screen share before. Um, New stuff happening. So hopefully when we post this video, people will actually be able to see not just us, but what's happening on the screen right now. Yeah. It's a, it's a simple little, um, visual that describes what you were just talking about, how Jesus went about um, organizing or structuring his time. And so you see there that at the top, there's the number of people and you have uh, these crowds, you know, we know that Jesus had upwards of 10,000 people at one time when he fed the 5,000. So there were, there were times where Jesus was interacting with just a huge number of people, hard for us to even imagine. Um, and then in the book of Acts, it talks about how Jesus had 500 who saw him after the resurrection. We read about the 120 believers who were gathered in the upper room. At one time, Jesus sent out 72 city to city with his message. And then, of course, like you said, he had 12. And uh, in Mark 3.14, it says that that was very intentional. It says that he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. And, and he appointed 12 from among a larger number of disciples. So Jesus had this larger group. And from that larger group, he appointed 12 for two purposes. One, that they might be with him. They were going to get extra time, which is what you were describing. And then secondly, he did it for a purpose, a long-term purpose, which was that he might send them out to preach. And so these 12 that Jesus invested in, that he selected, they really did become the, the foundation for the future church that was going to grow on the earth. And then, like you said, he had three, Peter, James, and John. So, all right, Abby, any general thoughts that you have just looking at this, at, at this visual? Um, I mean, I'm glad you described it and told everyone what it meant. Cause when at first glance, you're like, <laughs> wow, there's a lot happening here in this chart, but it does make sense. We'll also leave it in the show notes. So if you're listening to us on the podcast, right. don't worry. You also get to check this out and then you'll know what I'm talking about. I think um, in general, uh, and maybe we, I don't know, we can, if you have more to say about it, then we can, we can zoom let me, in. Let me say something real quick, just, and then we'll take the visual down. Okay. It's kind of a, it's kind of inverted triangles. And so yes. at the very top, you see um, the, the, the more number of people that you have, the that's what's represented by the, the the top and then at the bottom um you've got three but the three got most of jesus's time so the base of the triangle at the bottom really represents the access that that these people had to jesus so the three mm -hmm. got more of jesus and then as, as you move up this um this inversion the crowds got very little of jesus they they got to hear his teachings they might have gotten a snack if they were there that day that he fed the five thousand. <laughs> But that's kind of it. They really didn't. They really didn't get to the inside scoop on on Jesus, and and the three did. So that's kind of what's being represented here. Um, that the fewer people that mm -hmm. Jesus invested, in, the more he invested in them. And one thing that um, 
that Robert Coleman says that I, that's always stuck with me in his book when he talks about selection. He says, we need to understand how Jesus selected. And practically speaking, the way that he selected is that he concentrated on those that he was intending to use. And so selection is kind of another way of thinking about selection. Selection, you, and, and in that sense, everyone is selecting because we're all spending more time with certain people than others. And with Jesus, he was very purposeful about who he spent more time with. It wasn't accidental. It wasn't random. He was very purposeful about concentrating on a few that he was going to invest deeply in. Yeah, and I think there is so much to unpack there that we're not, we're not going to be able to cover it all, everybody. <laughs> but I, I guess my, in fact, this came up. Um, we're a part of a online church as well as our in-person church. Um, so shout out to the Harmony Church. But they're all over the world, and we meet on Zoom. And this actually just came up really recently, and so this idea of when you're picking, when you're choosing and selecting mm -hmm. like a smaller number to invest in, you know, what should you focus on? And it was a whole big like discussion. It was so, it was really, really great. And I, there was a lot um, that I took away from it and I'm still pondering, but I think the bottom line there is that there is a lot and it's not that Jesus right. um, gave us a checklist, um, you know, even looking at the 12 or the three, you know, there's not just like clear characteristics mm -hmm. of why he would choose them. Um, right. It wasn't even that they were just pleasing to be around because we all know Peter was not fun to be around. <laughs> um, or maybe he was. All I know is that um, it's not cut and dry as most of scripture is. So Andrew, maybe you could kind of go into your own like just experience with this and kind of what you have chosen to do based on scripture. Yeah. Yeah. Again, let me just use another scripture because as a way of sort of launching into that in yeah. second Timothy, you know, Paul did the same thing. Paul, mm -hmm. he, obviously he traveled quite a bit. He founded many churches. He talked to hundreds, thousands of people, but there are certain names that pop up throughout his letters of people that he was especially partnering with and next generation people that he was investing in the most famous of whom is probably Timothy, but Titus was in there as well. And there were people like Tychicus and Demas um, and Trophimus. I mean, there were there were probably there <laughs> seven to ten people that, yeah. that pop up that G, that Jesus that Paul was following in this principle of selection. But here he is writing to Timothy um, at the end of his life, and here is what he had to say in Second Timothy chapter three. He tells Timothy, "You followed my teaching, my conduct, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my perseverance." my persecutions and sufferings, the things that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, the persecutions that I endured and out of them all, the Lord delivered me. I think it's um, the ESV that, that describes it when, when Paul is talking about um, what Timothy followed. He describes it as his aim in life, which was um, purpose is the way the New American interprets that word. And so Timothy followed much more than just Paul's teaching. And so that's, that's the goal of selection really is to pass on your faith, your way of life, your purpose, your aim, um, your values, how you make decisions, your way of thinking, all of that is getting passed on. And that's why teaching alone, teaching the, the crowds alone will never do that. You know, Jesus can, can pass on information by teaching, but you really cannot pass on your way of life without a much closer personal relationship. 
And so um, that, that's what I would say, Abigail, is that the people that I have um, had the chance to concentrate on and invest in over the years, we've really tried to share life as much as possible. It's not always spiritual. Uh, sometimes we're sharing uh, our struggles. Sometimes we're sharing our frustrations. Um, you know, we have fun together. So it, it's, it's really building depth into your relationships so that you pass on, you know, you, you, you we rub off on each other. Uh, whoever you're spending time with, you, you begin to pick up some of their, their mannerisms, their characteristics, their way of thinking. Yeah. And that's really what selection does is it, it allows you to pass on not just what you believe in terms of information, but it really is the key to passing on your discipleship, the way you're choosing to live. So I don't know if that's um, super helpful. Why don't you take a stab? And if, if I miss certain things, put them in. No, that was great. And I think I'll just reiterate to, or what I kind of heard you say, which was one people need, and this is going to sound simple, but honestly, it needs to be said, they need to want to be a part of your life. Um, let's not like track someone down and plead with them. Like that's probably not the person you should be investing in. Um, so there needs to be some elements of them wanting to be a part of what you're doing. Um, and the other really important thing here, and I think this is something that Brett and I have probably grown into is that you really do have to have your purpose pretty well established. Otherwise, there's not a clear something for them to follow other than just you being cool. Um, And I think that happens Mm. sometimes, like certain people are just more charismatic than others. And people are like, I just want to hang out with you. And that can maybe end up badly. Like then they're just (laughs) going to be like you and just like, and just a repeat of you. But what we really want is to have strong sense of purpose and a strong sense of who we are in Christ. And that should really be the thing that people are attracted to and want to be a part of. So Mm -hmm. um, if that's something that you're not really clear on, then maybe even take a step back to focus on that and really seek the Lord about that. And I think when that becomes stronger, then it's much more um, likely and, or I I think people are, are much more attracted to it. Of course, then maybe we just like quickly transition into then how do you focus it down? Because there might be mm-hmm. a lot of people clamoring after you. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, that, that can be a challenge uh, for most people. Maybe, maybe that's unusual, but yeah, for some people, like a lot of yeah. people just want some of to us are just like time. begging. Someone. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, but that's where Jesus, you know, and, and you kind of touched on this a little bit that Jesus, you know, he did not beg people to spend time with him. He didn't beg people to follow him. One thing that I see in Jesus is that he was always on the go. And so even with the first calling of disciples in in Matthew 4, if you read that carefully, you'll see that that Jesus was walking along the shore. So when he called those first disciples to come and follow him, there's no indication that he was just kind of standing there waiting for them to respond. Mm -hmm. Uh, As I read it, Jesus, as he walked past them, he called out, come follow me. And then Jesus continued to walk, which really created this, this crisis moment where they had to either stop what they were doing and begin to follow him. Uh, in which case, in, in a sense, they kind of selected themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's the same thing for us that we should always be inviting people to join us in our life and, in, in, and to in, in inviting people to join us in the work that he's given to us. Like you said, like if you don't know what your purpose is and you're not engaged in it, 
then it's really hard to select because what you want to do is invite people to join you. And people will really begin to select themselves. So as you invite people to spend more time with you, some people are going to respond to that. Some people are going to, to, to not. And that's okay. That's actually what you want. <laughs> uh, and definitely when you begin to invite people to join you in studying the scriptures or sharing your faith uh, or helping serve in some way in your community, people are going to select themselves. They're either going to, to jump in with you and, and be available for that or not. Um, those are all ways of selecting. Um, so you, you really want to learn how to provide people opportunities to select themselves. And you want to be thinking about, you want to be mindful of who's responding and who isn't because our tendency is to, to choose people, to select people that, are, that maybe they are charismatic or maybe we just enjoy being around them. They're fun to be around. Um, but they're not necessarily always people who are really interested in following our way of life and this purpose that God has given to us. Yeah, so I think not just um, knowing your own purpose very clearly um, and making that very clear in your own ministry, but another thing that we see and what you were just kind of hint, uh, you know, hinting around is that we we really do see Jesus having his disciples do things, and this also is something that we kind of find hard to do sometimes. Like, right. you know, I have been doing this a long time and I really know how to do it well. And me handing that over to somebody who's like bumbly and like never done it before, it, that can be a hard task. But the more we do that, the more we hand off our responsibility. We see Jesus doing this all the time. We see Paul doing this all the time of mm. sending out, um, throwing people into the deep end, um, even with the feeding of the 5,000, he was like, I'm going to need you to feed these people. And, <laughs> um, and they're all like, right. uh -huh, you know, so right. um, I, I really think that too. Um, I love what you said, people will select themselves, but we have to create opportunity for them to do that. And that is giving them opportunity to either select or not select themselves. So um, that's on us. Like uh, right. the things that are on us in this are very much keeping our focus, um, not getting distracted by like charismatic fun people or just like, right. you know, we can have friends, you know. Yes, <laughs> yes, of course, of course. But, um, but and Jesus also, seemed to have like with Mary and Martha yeah. and Lazarus, he had, he had people he was close to and yet those weren't, they weren't part of that band. Mm, that's true. I never really thought about that, but yeah. Um, so I think um, there, there is what we, our responsibility here is, you know, making it clear what we're about and mm -hmm. then inviting people in and actually allowing them to do it, um, to do the hard stuff, to do the hard labor. Um, and that really makes it a lot clearer, a lot faster um, than us mm -hmm. just trying to like, well, I think maybe this person is going to be a faithful or um, so. No, that's really well said. I hope people will will think carefully about what you just described because that really is the process. Um, and so that that's a that's a great place for us to kind of end our conversation on this. You know, folks, hopefully this was an interesting conversation, a helpful conversation. If you want to continue it, if you got questions for us, you know, hit us up in the comments of this YouTube video or send us a note. We'd love to talk more with you about it. All right, Abigail, for our faith and culture segment this week, uh, we're going to talk about the passing of someone that I think might be this generation's greatest uh, comic talent, which is Norm MacDonald. 
And okay. this, you know, some people <laughs> are going to be like, who's that? Because he's not necessarily as famous no, as something like a Jerry Seinfeld. Um, but why are we talking about him in our faith and culture segment? Um, well, one, his, his death really shocked a lot of people. Apparently he had been mm -hmm. sick for several years and didn't let anyone know. So he just sort of passed yeah. out of the blue and it caught, it, it really caught people's attention in the culture. And then, um, you know, one thing about Norm that a lot of people found only after he died was that he was a pretty deep thinker. And for a lot of his life, he was looking for answers to the question of what happens after you die. Uh, so he had a, a, a very interesting spiritual journey where he was trying to discern, is there God? And, and at different points in his life, he identified as, as being Jewish. Um, uh, ultimately, he uh, considered himself a Christian. And you and I both read an article, we'll, we'll put a link to it in the uh, show notes, but an article about how um, he really was seeking for answers to these deep questions and he would go to church and he wouldn't really find the answers he was looking for. So yeah, maybe just, um, you know, what were your thoughts on that article and, and this, this whole conversation? Oh man. Yeah. That article, you guys, you should read it. Um, and it will be very challenging. Um, I think, you know, he is a celebrity obviously, um, and was pretty famous. Um, and so that's why such an article would be written about him. But right. really, let's think about this more from the perspective of he is one of just countless people in the world who are seeking for truth, capital T, and are they missing it because right. of us? Yeah. Um, I think that was my big takeaway from this article, Andrew. I don't know how you kind of interpret it, especially when he was talking about um, his pastor versus, I think he had just kind of like a spiritual guru kind yeah, of let guy. Me, let me just read from okay. the article because this, this is a quote from him. He says, uh, I have a rabbi. So this is Norm McDonald speaking. He says, I have a rabbi who I talk to a lot. He's a real scholar. My pastor doesn't know anything. I mean, anything. He's just a pleasant guy. If you ask him a direct question, he'll go, what? Didn't you hear my sermon? But his sermons always like how to be a nice fella or some nonsense. And so, you know, here, here's a guy who's looking for these answers to these deeper questions, the, these uh, existential questions. And what he's getting, what he was getting at least, and I don't think this is a, an indictment of all pastors no. or churches, but what no. he was getting was, here's how you be a good person as you go through life. And that's not what he was really, you know, what he was needing to have answered. Um, and so I think that's one of the big things that stood out to me. And you can kind of see it in the sense of here's a guy who's, he's a funny guy. You might think, well, he, he's not thinking anything serious or deep, or he's not searching for these, these answers, but people are. So that was one of the big takeaways for me is that you, people are looking for answers and even people that we might not on first glance think are, are asking these deeper questions. Um, and we need to be providing, we need to be pointing them to the good news about Jesus. And, and we need to know what those answers are so that we can share them. And it, it shouldn't just be, here's how to be a better person. Here's how to be more successful in this life. Yeah. And I mean, just to play the devil's advocate in this, um, probably torture's words, but um, is that I, I also know a lot of people like this who are intellectuals, 
um, and then who use maybe the stereotype of the church today, which is a watered down performer, like bumbly pastor who's just like a nice guy um, right. as the excuse. When I think really most churches, pastors are spending time in the, maybe not most, I just yeah. know a lot. Right. And so I think um, using the stereotype as an excuse of, mm -hmm. well, that's how all Christians are, or, you know, that's, that's, that's it. And it's just puffy and I'm much smarter than that. And so I can see through it. Um, and I right. think that too is a, is like a real red flag. So I don't know, I'm just going to throw that out there too, that I think there can also be a cynicism in the world of you're just not giving me enough right. data. You're not giving me enough facts. Right. Um, yeah. And so that too, we have, there is an element of faith as well. Um, I don't, I don't know if that's, I'm reading way into like one quote from a dude I didn't know. <laughs> well, I, I, what comes to my mind as you say that is that there can be a stereotype of um, the, the popular pastor. Yes. Um, and and I would say that, so that's true. We, we want to say that, hey, this is not something that we can just apply across the board for mm -hmm. American Christianity. But, you know, we can also say that stereotypes are generally based on based some on sort something. of norm. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think the big takeaway from me, for me, just me personally, is um, it's cool to, to realize that people are looking for answers yeah. and, and we need to not be afraid to give them the good stuff like we don't have to sugarcoat it. We don't, we don't have to dumb it down. Yeah. Um, I mean, we want to communicate in a way that makes sense, but we need to give them the, the true, the true gospel. And yeah. I have to confess, I've, I've watched way too many Norm McDonald videos this week on YouTube. So you, um, he took it, he went down the rabbit hole friends. I did. I, I hope did. he found, I hope he found it in the end. Um, I think yeah. that is, was the ultimate, yeah, I do too. like how I felt about the article yeah. just it's always sad to hear things like that um when someone passes and so i really i hope you did find it yeah find jesus for sure well abby that's all our time for uh, today's show but it was fun talking about the these things and we hope it's yeah. encouraging to those who are listening friends um if you would if you haven't already subscribe to the youtube channel if you have not uh, rated and reviewed us over on iTunes, then please take a few minutes to do that. It encourages us. It also just yeah. bumps the visibility of the show so that more people who are looking for answers or looking for help and, and living their faith can find it. So take a few minutes to give us a five-star rating and leave us a short review of what you appreciate about the show and how it's helping you so that hopefully it can help others. Yes. And we'll be back soon. Abby, talk to you later. Bye, guys. Thank you.